This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Breaking news, LeBron is a Laker. This Clippers team will win a championship this year. Paul George, corner three. Yes, sir! Bryant has to put it up with the buzzer. Backs it in! <laughs> he backs in the three! And the Lakers win! What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Battle for LA podcast, part of the Clutch Points and Blue Wire Networks. As usual, Tomer Zarley, your Clippers beat writer for Clutch Points here, ready to talk playoff basketball. Uh, as you guys know, the Clippers and Lakers are locked into heated battles right now with the Mavericks and Blazers, respectively. Both series title one apiece. Before we jump into that, I want to introduce my guest host for today. Might as well be a Permanent guest host with me, uh, Justin Russo, making another appearance for us. How you doing, Justin? I'm very tired. We're recording this very late on Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up for like 20 hours at this point. Oh, God. Well, I appreciate you coming on anyways. No um, problem. Anytime. We, we talked a bit about it off, off, the, uh, off the you know recording, but just uh, frustrating game for the Clippers in game game two and you can even make the case for game one uh just a lot of a lot of defensive mistakes a lot of one-on-one drive-bys a lot of we mentioned lack of pick and roll just so so much um i don't even know where to start honestly <laughs> so much we've been talking about the last 20 minutes and it's just so much they just look like a team through two games they look like a team that has no idea who they're playing doesn't think it's the postseason, hasn't made one strategical adjustment. I don't even know if strategical is a word, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> they just they, uh, loss of words, man. Because here's the thing you go into this postseason series against the Dallas Mavericks. Now, me personally, I picked the Clippers in six. I thought the Dallas Mavericks were going to give the Clippers problems, they've given the Clippers problems problems i don't know if it'll go six at the rate the first two games has gone has has gone maybe the clippers are lucky if it goes six but like at the same time like you look at some of the some of what's happened to the clippers like they're not running pick and rolls a lot and they ran pick and rolls quite a bit in the regular season Mm -hmm. they're not getting easy spot up opportunities for, for the most part they're getting they're getting clean looks but they're not generating the kind on a consistent basis that they got in the regular season they're getting picked apart in bench units, which is hilarious. And there's a reason for that. And I guess we can get into that in a little bit. Yeah. And they're trying to, they're trying to incorporate players who have not played much in the bubble. Like Patrick Beverly plays 20 minutes in game one because of foul trouble, but he doesn't play game two because of a calf injury again. Montrose Harrell is trying to get used to actually running on a basketball court for the first time in five months. And all of this has led to the team looking like they don't know what they're doing. 
And I understand that. I sympathize with it because it's a tough situation. You have these guys who've gone in and out of the bubble and they're trying to get their legs under them. And they're, you know, like they're trying to get up to speed and like guys are in and out of the lineup because of injuries. I get it. I a hundred percent get it. I don't care for it. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Like you got to execute like the time for we've done yada, yada, yada with this many lineups. Cool. It's the postseason. If you don't take every possession seriously, and they're not, like, look at their defense. Look at their point of attack defense. They look you, – you could put a traffic cone out there against Seth Curry and Trey Burke, and that traffic cone might actually do something decent, like take a charge. Because their on-ball defenders aren't doing anything. And, yes, I, I know this sounds harsh to say, that includes Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Their defense in the series has been utterly abysmal when comparing to where they should be at the level that they've been at in their careers. Kawhi, uh, not Kawhi, uh, well, actually Kawhi, Kawhi has been uh, very handsy and not staying in front of people, just trying to rip the ball, and it's led to problems. Um, Paul George is not staying in a defensive position. Like, he's he's way too upright at the point of attack right now. It's very strange. And he's actually not closing out on shooters as aggressively as he should. And it's – it's so, Mary, I would kind of look at it like in game one – and somewhat in game two, but in game one, Paul George, when he would come out to contest a shooter, wouldn't aggressively like try to make a play on it. He would just like hard close out and then stop and, and just give up the three. Mm-hmm. It's like force him to put the ball on the ground, dude. Like, I'm sorry, force force Dorian Finney Smith and Tim Hardaway Jr. to start going off the dribble. Like, what are we doing? Like, it's it's not hard. Yeah, I. Like I said, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I will say this. I thought I'm sorry. I, I'm frustrated. <laughs> no, 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 rightfully so because I think we've both seen what this team is capable of when they really lock in and and play the right way. Um, but we just haven't seen that. And I mean, obviously, they've had guys out and they're trying to reincorporate guys back into the lineup. But they've had injuries and all that. Um, but at some point, um, you really have to figure out what the alternative for that is. Um, I feel like they, they should have had enough opportunities throughout the season to figure out what, how they can deal with a Pat injury, how they can deal with Trez not being, you know, uh, fully engaged or can't play as many minutes. Uh, I, I had the Clippers in a sweep because I did think that, um, you know, I think they were top, top 10 or top eight offense and defense in the bubble. Um, now, I didn't think that would translate directly into playoffs. But the Mavericks are a, I want to say, a bottom five clutch team, um, clutch scoring team. And so I figured in a tight game, you have Kawhi PG and you have their defense. Um, I thought that they would be able to close out games. Um, I, didn't, I didn't anticipate Patrick Beverly missing any time, uh, which I guess maybe I should have considering uh, he's dealt with the caster in, what, three, four times now this season? So he's dealt with it a couple, and he also had the groin strain three times in the regular season. Oh, it was a groin strain. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's dealt with multiple lower body injuries. If, if you count it up, it's five lower body injuries this season alone. Right. Right. And just, I, I, you probably should have anticipated that happening. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, you talked about it a bit. Just the, the, I, I can't, you've watched the film way more than I have, but just off the top of my head, I can recall so many times where Trey Burke has just, Gotten the quicker first step, tripping right by someone, got right up to the basket and laid it up. Um, Seth Curry did that a couple of times as well. Um, we watched Boban Marjanovic be defended by Montrezl Harrell, and that's maybe, what, eight inches on him? So that's six to seven to eight inches on him, uh, plus the length, plus the size of Boban's hands. Uh, he's he's going to just toss that up without even jumping and score. Um uh, it's just a lot of things. A lot of things that, that I, I thought Doc would play more Zubats against Boban in order to try and, and, and counter that uh, and not just leave Harold on an island to get scored on every time. Um, yeah, I don't know what the reason for that was. Maybe they're just trying to get Trent some more run in there and, and get his conditioning back up. Doc did say his conditioning is not great right now. But um, I'm just not sure how they go into game three with this. Uh, because the, it's bad. Yeah, there are concerns. Um, you mentioned off off camera that the um, you know Rick Carlisle is, is is playing lineups, you know, first and second unit that he knows will put the Clippers in tough positions. 
uh, yeah, so so far have not countered. Yeah, like what Carlisle, and now I want to point something out here because I understand it might get lost, but like when you really think about it, like Rick Carlisle is a top five coach in the NBA in terms when it comes to scheming. Right. He's a brilliant guy. Mm-hmm. The problem for the Clippers has been in the minutes that Luka Doncic has sat, specifically just those minutes. Minutes that you think would favor the Clippers, they've been absolutely annihilated by Trey Burke and Seth Curry in both games. Game two just basically become a layup, became a layup line and a mid-range pull-up line with no one stopping them mm-hmm. because the Clippers botched every conceivable pick-and-roll coverage you could ever botch. They botched every screen coverage you could botch. They didn't know when they were switching. They didn't know when they were dropping. They didn't know when they were hedging. They didn't know when they were going over the top. They didn't know anything. They botched literally everything. They left uh, Jamichael Green on an island against Trey Burke. They left Marcus Morris on an island against Trey Burke. Now, let me tell you something. Marcus Morris has been really good in this series in the first two games. I don't want him guarding Trey Burke because that's a smaller, faster guard. Yeah, that's much not, faster guard, yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not a guy he's stopping. So the Clippers just kept getting caught in situations where they had no earthly idea what they were doing defensively. And I guess at the end of the day, if you are a Clippers fan and you are looking for some hope, the Clippers have been absolutely abysmal through two games. And yet the series is one, one, and you could argue if you really wanted to, they had a chance to take game two up until the moment Luka Doncic went to the bench in the third quarter the Clippers were down by two, and then by the time he came back in, the Mavericks were up by 13. So if they can just win the non-Luka minutes, I like the Clippers' chances in the series. The problem for the Clippers, I don't know if they have the perimeter defenders, Sands, Kawhi, and PG, to actually match up with the quicker Dallas guards. Because as good as Luka Doncic is, and don't get me wrong, Luka Doncic is a marvelous fantastic I could throw every adjective in the world at how awesome he is as a player Luka Doncic is not the reason the Dallas the Dallas Mavericks are tied in this series he's a big part of the reason but he's not the reason the the reason is because Rick Carlisle through 96 minutes of basketball has thoroughly outcoached Doc Rivers and until Doc Rivers and company figure out how to stop that which I have ideas of how they could go about it but that will take a while Until they figure out how to stop it themselves, this is going to be a long series. Hey guys, just wanted to tell you guys about TheraOne CBD. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wurzland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, still contain up to 30% filler and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. A buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash blue wire but only until labor day go right now to theragun.com slash blue wire
Yeah, another thing I didn't have was 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 Doc Rivers getting out coached um, this badly through two games. Um, I think Mavs fans also feel like they themselves could probably be two and zero right now. They absolutely if Porzingis could be. doesn't get ejected on some sort of bailout technical foul. I didn't like that call at all. I hated um, I hated the first technical foul he got, and I hated mm-hmm. the Paul George technical foul. Yeah, I, I, that first game from the referees was just awful. I mean, Scott Foster really earned his paycheck last game. I'll say that. Oh, that man was calling every foul he could. It was like he was getting paid by the whistle, my man. Um, well, it was uh, it was what fifty-eight personal fouls and like seventy-six free throw attempts. Of those fifty-eight fouls, I believe twenty. It was split. Twenty-two belonged to uh, Foster. Oh, um, really? I but I, but I believe it was fifteen to eight in terms of the calls. For and against the Clippers, uh, I, I honestly, I, again, I think the Clippers played, did a horrible job defensively, um, and probably reached and committed way too many fouls. Uh, but according to the NBA NBA refs, ref stats page, um, yeah, Scott Foster called eighteen or called fifteen fouls on the Clippers and eight on the Mavericks. So, I just, you know, what the funniest part, by the way, is before Game Two when it came out that Scott Foster was refing the game. Fans on each side of the aisle literally had the same reaction of, oh, God, which that tells you <laughs> literally everything you need to know about a referee. Yeah, yeah. If, if, yeah, he, he was the headline. <laughs> he was the headline, I would say. But, but you know what really bothers? Like, beyond the – like, the referees didn't decide that game. I just want to say, like, the referees no, no, didn't no, decide did game. They yeah, they didn't, didn't decide game two. What really kind of chaps me is, okay – Dallas made three more threes. Okay. They also made three more or two more baskets inside the paint. So it's like you're getting outscored in the paint and you're getting outscored from three. Are, where are you scoring? Just the mid-range? Like, what are you doing? I mean, the Clippers do have a couple of mid-range. Um, they do. You know, I guess uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Savants. Savants? Ooh, oh, my look God. Us. Look at us. Look at us. us. Who would have thought? Not me. 30 of the morning, but we got this, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, Marcus Morris, Kawhi Leonard, um, even Paul George, uh, Lou Williams, they all like the mid-range. Um, you know what that, the, you know what the highlight said, for the yeah, Clippers through two didn't games make was? Any sense to me. Uh, what was it? The highlight for the Clippers through two games was Marcus Morris telling Boban Marjanovic he was the nicest guy he's ever met. I agree. I agree 100%. That was, that was an incredible moment. I watched that – my heart just got super warm. They're former teammates. From Detroit? Yeah. They played together, huh? Okay. Yeah. I forgot about that. Those are early. Those what, three, four years ago? Yeah, about that, yeah. It's just it's just funny to think that, like, the Clippers' highlight of the first two games in a series that's 1-1 is Marcus Morris Sr. telling Bobar Barjanovic he's the nicest guy in the league. That's funny. I find it really hard to root against Boban. You, like, I don't think anyone can. You go, you go, oh, okay, I want the shot to go now for Bowen. Oh, I want this one. <laughs> Did you see his post-game interview with uh, he's, the TNT he's guys? He's so funny. Oh, my God, he's hilarious. He was, like, worried about breaking the headset. Oh, just, it was hilarious. It was so let, let me ask you something real quick. If you had your pick, I'm, I'm not going to ask if you're Doc Rivers because that's a loaded question. If you had your pick, though, who would you start in place of Patrick Beverly for game three? Reg, and I'll give you four options. Reggie Jackson, Lou Williams, Landry Shamit, and I'll give you a sleeper, which is Jamichael Green, and the Clippers just play big. The options are Landry Shamit, Reggie Jackson, Jamichael Green, and who? Lou Williams. Okay. Um, I know you're in favor of starting Landry, and I can see why. I am – Deathly opposed to starting Lou. Um, I, I don't think you can start Joe Michael because then your second unit big man rotation is really short unless you go with Joe Keem. So, but I would I have... say Landry. I would say Landry. I don't think after seeing the Reggie Jackson experience that first game, that second game, I don't think the Clippers um, can afford to or want to even try. Uh, starting Reggie in game three. So I think there is a path forward with Jamichael as a starter. 
And you know who gave them that pass? Marcus uh, Morris. By defending Luca well? No, by being able to log center minutes. Their minutes with him at center in the series have been very good. How many minutes does he have at center? I th- I f- last time I looked it up, I looked it up earlier today, which was like 22 hours ago now. Uh, it was He logged like 12 minutes at center. I believe it was six in each game. And really? they were, I believe, plus 12 or plus 13. That's interesting. I would not have thought that. So my thought is, if you start Jermichael, you could theoretically yank Zubats out early and then put in Trez. Or, or you just take Marcus out and put in Lou. And then you have a smaller, more uh, spread out offense. And like at least Joe Michaels with Lou, Kawhi, and PG. And, and you go from there. And, and then you can bring Marcus Morris back alongside Harrell, who could like, – like basically you're swapping the Morris-Green minutes, but you're able to get Green into better lineups. I think they've put Green in some awful lineups. So – yeah, yeah. He, hasn't, he hasn't succeeded, and I think it's because of the lineups. I would say, though, that – that would make sense because you could also pull Zubats early and then reinsert him, I guess, to sort of try and match some of the Boban minutes. Yes. Um, Boban has been a big issue. Uh, it, it, it's not that he's really dominating, but look, you, you got – he had oh, he had nine rebounds and 13 points. So, yeah, he is dominating, actually. You know what, you know what the other minutes. thing is? Oh, my goodness. The other move, honestly, might just be – Starting Jamichael instead of Zubots, and I hate doing this, but I'd understand if they did it. Start Jamichael instead of Zubots, and then bring Zubots in for Boban. I feel like that's going to do a lot of bad first confidence. I don't it know could. if it do well first confidence because the thing is, I, I feel like Doc is two separate people when he talks about Zubots and how proud he is of him, and then what he actually does with Zubots. So you it's know what like I think two that different is. People. You know what I think that is? I think that's – he handles him one way in private on the court and then handles him a different way in public where he's defending him in order to build that confidence in public and not rip him down in the eyes of everyone kind of thing. So, okay. So what would it say if you ain't came out to Michael? Well, it would kind of undermine a lot of that, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, it actually would make sense, and I don't think Zubats would have that big of a problem with it. But I do think that it just it sends a, a, a odd message in terms of um, is and, Zubats playable? We just had these questions the other day about how Zubats has earned his way to being playable after being unplayable in the Warriors series last year. And you know who you can give credit to for even making this discussion possible? The Dallas freaking Mavericks and Rick freaking Carlisle. Yeah. Because if yeah. they didn't do what they're doing, this wouldn't be a discussion right now. Yeah. The Utah Jazz matchup is looking real nice right now. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the matchup I wanted there, buddy. Everyone thought I was crazy. I mean, I, I, you know who's looking at like a better matchup? OKC. <laughs> that would have been nice right now. Yeah. They don't look great. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess for game three, what I'm expecting is. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to Zubats coming off the bench to massive Boban minutes. Um, I think that'd be a great idea. Boban did play nine minutes and 43 seconds last game, but he had 13 and nine in those, four, in those 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, starting Jermichael in place of Zoo would be an option. I, I, th- I, really, I think the Clippers win game three. I don't think they're going to win game four. Like, not because, I, don't, I think game four – was always going to be their toughest game of the series because it's the game with the quickest turnaround. Uh, it's it's just what they so end up Saturday they, they, game for Sunday, right? They play Friday. They play Saturday. Friday night, so they so they play Friday night at six p.m. Pacific, and then Sunday's games at twelve thirty p.m. in the afternoon. Pacific time. Pacific time. So like they they have like a thirty six hour turnaround kind of. Like that's the game. I'm kind of like, all right. I don't think they're winning game four. I don't know how much of a difference that the turnaround would make when you have no travel. See, I thought the same thing, but as we've seen, even in the bubble, this team struggles with early start times. That, that is true. That is true. <laughs> <We've>... 
<laughs> I remember all the games I'm being hey, at. Listen, I was at we could be 3,000 miles away from Staples Center, and it doesn't matter, does it? No. <laughs> same, same thing. <laughs> Literally same thing. Um, oh okay, God. predictions for game three, then. You think they win game three? I think they win game three. I'll, even, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a threefold prediction. One, they win game three. Two, they win game three by double digits. And three, I think Paul George scores at least 10 points in the first quarter. Uh, I would agree with that. I think Paul's due, uh, especially after the last game, um, for a big first quarter, a big game at least. You can't take just two shots in the first quarter, my man. Like, you got to take some more. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they put him in great positions to score, but I think a lot of that's on him too, just not being aggressive enough. Not, not they have not run him off a lot better. of screens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when they set the pin down for him to come back off. And he just and they haven't done a it. wide open three. And they, I haven't seen that once. I don't, I'm Maybe once in the first game. They haven't run him any specialized stuff. They haven't been running many pick and rolls. It's been a, a lot of one-on-one stuff. And that, like, I understand you got the horses for that. Like, you got Kawhi, you got PG, you got Marcus Morris, you got Lou Williams. I, I get it. I get it. Believe me, I do. You can't survive like that in this series. Seven-game series, you can't. No, you can't. You got to run something. I agree. I agree. Uh, I I also think uh, I think they I think they take game three. I don't know if it's by double digits. I don't. I think Luke, Luca and the Mavs have found some, some something that works. So I don't see them really being blown out. So but, you and I talked about this off the air. What they found, and credit to Rick Carlisle for this, in game one. And like I said, we talked about this off the air because it was really interesting. I went through all the film because I'm an idiot. And <laughs> in game one. What happened was the Clippers kind of realized the Mavericks run a lot of pick and rolls with, or not even just pick and rolls, just ball screens with Luka Doncic as the handler, Porzingis as the screener. Mm -hmm. So what the Clippers did is they wanted a matchup that they liked, which is Marcus Morris on Luka Doncic because A, Marcus Morris is a physical guy. B, he's a good defender against guys of that size. And C, if he gets fouls, it's not like Kawhi or PG is getting fouls. So right. you kind of can just deal with it. And, and D, according to Chris Saps, he conveyed him into uh, ejection. So. That too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but um, so what the Clippers did is they put Morris on Porzingis because they knew that when Dallas ran ball screens to get Kawhi or PG off of Luka, with Porzingis screening, it would get Morris onto onto Doncic, and this enabled the Clippers to keep Zubats closer to the rim. And in in comparison, because of this, they just switched everything wing to wing. They just switched everything. But the Clippers have been playing drop coverage on pick and rolls with their bigs. So in game two, Rick Carlisle switches this up. Porzingis and, and Doncic don't run a lot of pick and rolls. There's there's very few uh, Porzingis Doncic ball screens in, in in game two, and if there are Porzingis ball screens, he's the first ball screen in the double screen set. That was another thing I noticed on like my seventh rewatch of game two for some reason. What what Carlisle changed is he realized Maxi Kleba is being defended by Luka Doncic because Maxi Kleba is more of a center and a roller. Well, why not just put Maxi Kleba in pick and rolls and make and make Zubats have to play drop coverage? Well, by playing the drop coverage and the first basket of the night for Dallas is an alley oop to uh, Maxi Kleba in game mm-hmm. two off this mm-hmm. exact action. And you know what they did the entire night? They ran that same damn action against the Vita Zubats and against Montrez Harrell. Drop coverage the entire night, and the Clippers literally had no action, no no answer for this action at all. And I'm sitting there watching the game going. Don't you just at some point just trap them or just hard hedge or just show or come to the level of the screen or do something? You're not doing anything. You're just dropping. And you can't just drop into space against Luka Doncic. And here's the thing. They didn't just do it to Luka Doncic. They did it to Seth Curry. They did it to Trey Burke. Because those two guys walked walked and waltzed into wide-open mid-range pull-ups several times. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there watching this happen going, do you not care enough to stop this? Yeah. And you it, know what? They didn't. Yeah. It, it, it legit looked like they just weren't there. I, I don't, I don't know. I actually, I just looked at the, uh, 
the box score again, and, and Seth Curry was a plus 30. I, I didn't even know that. He was a plus 30. He was a plus 13 in game one. That, that's insane. That's insane. Their second unit has really found something. And the Clippers, like you said, are just not defending worth a lick. Trey Burke was plus 14 in game one. Like, you're getting killed by these. Like, I, it, I looked it up because I really was curious. Trey Burke and Seth Curry, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Steph Curry, or I said Steph, Seth, Seth Curry and Trey Burke, in the first two games of the series combined, the Dallas Mavericks are plus 30 when those two are on the court without Luka Doncic. I'm sorry. That's when Luka Doncic is on the bench, dude, you cannot get blitzed by 30 damn points by another team. Especially when one of those sequences was you're down by two points late in the third quarter, and by the time Luka Doncic steps back on the court, you're, you're down, down 13. 13. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out again 20-something seconds later, and you don't make up any ground. Did, for like eight he, minutes. Didn't it go to like 18 or something? I thought they went down by 18 at that point. They, they went by. It was, it was bad, man. Yeah. Well. I'm done talking about the Clippers. Well, hopefully we'll see some changes from them tomorrow. Um, or tonight, rather. Um, I don't know what to expect. Um, but I hope there are some changes in terms of the, first of all, the starting lineup. Second of all, the defensive coverages like what you mentioned. It's not letting Luca just eat up, and then yeah, I just it's it's tough to watch. It was tough to watch. Please I don't want, play I, Reggie and Lou together, please. Yeah, I can't. I can't have that. I'm I'm all for Landry or Demichael starting. Uh, that would be interesting. You know um, who it might be time for? Rodney McShooter. Rod Rodney McShooter. I'm just kidding. You, you know what you know what's gonna happen, right? We're gonna get Patrick Patterson minutes, baby. Hey man, Patrick Patterson is—he's uh, been doing what has been asked of him. So I are would you, not be are surprised. Are you talking yourself into Patrick Patterson right now? I—that is exactly what's happening. Because you know what, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I—I I thought he shot well in the bubble, and he's played somewhat okay defense. And I mean, he, hey, was, he spaces the floor. He spaces the floor next to Jamichael. He was great for the second unit when he played in the bubble, anyway. So um, why not give him a minute or two, three, see what he can do. Yeah. What's, what's the worst that could happen? You get eat up, eaten up like you did before. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Real quick, wanted to tell you guys about NFL Sunday Ticket. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSunday.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV's Fantasy Zone channels. You'll never miss any of your favorite teams or your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Um, I wanted to move on to talk about a bit on the Lakers. Um, Lakers lost game one to the Blazers. Um, it was kind of a stunning performance given that, um, at least to me, I, I guess I, I expected a much better offensive game from the Lakers. Um, I think what Portland won scoring 100, right? Yeah. Like, that was absurd that that, that could happen. Um, and then I guess in, in game two, I saw exactly what I expected where Anthony Davis and LeBron James had their way. Um, well, Anthony Davis, did. Le- LeBron looked like he was just on cruise control, but still in control of everything. See, I, I, I just feel like LeBron didn't have to try super hard today. Four of 11, six rebounds, seven, six, six, six turnovers. I know he had the alley-oop to start. I know he made some nice passes, but I, I don't know. I just didn't it's see. It's the fewest points he's ever scored in a postseason win. Ever? Ever. His previous low was 15 points in a postseason wow. win. Wow, he finished with 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the Lakers are winning with LeBron scoring 10, that's, that's a worse concern for your the, the biggest thing for the Lakers was Contavious Caldwell-Pope hitting four threes. He got going, and that was good to see for, for him because the Lakers have been struggling from three. Obviously, Anthony Davis was three of four from three, and I've been a very big critic of Anthony Davis taking a lot of jumpers. 
However, the kind of jumpers that I like for him to take are when he's done being aggressive going to the hoop. Like he was very aggressive going to the hoop in game two. In game mm-hmm. one, he settled for a lot of tough jumpers. I think you tweeted out the set. Was it that he was two of 13 outside the restricted area? Something like that. Yeah, like two of yeah. 15 or something like that outside yeah. the restricted area in game one. He settled a lot was, was basically the idea of it, the point of it. So, yeah, um, and, it, and when it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a critique of him. It's just at times, and he's not the only superstar big man that does this, at times he settles for a lot of jumpers, and when he's very aggressive going to the hoop is when he's at his best because then defenses have to respect that and give him even more open jumpers. And on top of that, he actually has a rhythm when he takes those jumpers. I think I can relate sort of that to, to, to Carl Towns, where he sort of likes to get a, like a top-of-the-key three-pointer to start a game or like a top-of-the-key mid-range jumper just, just, to get, just to get that jumper out of the way and see if he's feeling good. And I think that, um, like you said, just starting out aggressive going to the hole, especially for a guy like AD, um, probably the best way you can start off the game. Um, get your rhythm inside, and then work your way towards the outside as opposed to doing it vice versa. Um, I, I, honestly, I think Portland's just out of gas. I mean, I don't think anyone expected them to win the series. I, I had Lakers in the sweep. Oh, I had Lakers in the sweep too. I thought they were. I thought that tonight was going to be a, a lot of how that series went. Maybe not like to the degree that it went because they were up by 33 at one time, but – I, I thought the Lakers would have con- would control every game and just be like, all right, like this is because I be- like it, honestly the Lakers should have won game one. Their shot profile in game one was awesome. They just missed a lot of easy shots. They had like the worst shot look of any team in like the last like twenty years or something. Yeah, they. I think they. I think Danny Green and KCP were combined like two of fourteen from three or something, or two of nine from three. Two of thirteen. Two of thirteen. Yeah, and then they, if you add in Kuzma. That's that's a three of eighteen, and obviously, like if you add in everyone who took at least three threes, that's all but one player who took a three for them, and they were just they, they were five of thirty two, and a lot of those looks are open. Exactly, it's just one of those games where you just got to make the open shots, and if you don't, you're gonna you're not gonna win. But on most nights, they're going to make those shots. I mean, KCP is not going to go zero for nine every game. Uh, he might not go zero for nine ever again <laughs> um, with the yeah. looks that he's getting, anyways. Um, Kyle Kuzma, 5 of 14 from the field, 1 of 5. They don't really have anyone to guard Kuzma or LeBron or AD. I mean, I know that Whiteside and Nurkic are sort of being stuck on Dwight and JaVale, which is really just leaving uh, AD to do whatever he wants. LeBron can do whatever he wants because Melo's not guarding him. Gary Trent, who they're leaving him on, a, leaving him on an island for whatever reason, uh, can't guard LeBron. That was the most insane thing I've ever seen in game two. I don't understand why the Portland – Left they, them out like that so often. They, it wasn't even the fact that, okay, so like there was two things they did with Gary Trent Jr. that were absolutely baffling to me. Number one, they were pressuring LeBron James three-quarter court for no reason. And all that happened, and I swear to God, this is exactly what happened, like four straight possessions. Gary Trent comes up to pressure LeBron James with the ball three-quarter court. LeBron takes two dribbles, drives Gary Trent Jr. right into Dwight Howard's screen at midcourt, and gets immediately downhole, downhill into the lane right against Yusef Nurkic and either gets the basket, gets fouled, or kicks it out. Kicks it out. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like they were using clock. They were just getting these shots. And the other thing was they just let LeBron post up on Gary Trent. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's LeBron's best area for the most part right. is like him as a passer in the post. And that's what I was wondering why they weren't doing much of in the first game because – one, Portland doesn't have anyone to stop him down there. Uh, well, anywhere, but especially down there. Um, and two, I just – I figured once LeBron got ahead of steam, he just got downhill. Um, there's also no one, nothing you can do about that either. So, um, I, I guess, obviously, LeBron didn't have the scoring impact that we're used to him having. But you know, I think he had the impact um, – what am I trying to say here? <laughs> the impact we expect him to have in terms of getting in the post, getting in positions to score and kick out to his teammates. Um, yeah, I would agree. Do you want to hear a fun stat, though? Okay. Through the first four days of the postseason, only one time in the first was a 16 games. Yeah, four by four, 16. In the first 16 games of the postseason, only one team has won their game 
in which they did not have the most three pointers made. Okay. Um, Can you name the team and the game? The team that won without having the most more three pointers in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's now been two times it's done. The second time was done by the Toronto Raptors in game two against the Brooklyn Nets. That's the second time it was done. But there was a team that did it the first time. Ooh, was it the Miami Heat? No. Was it the Blazers? No. No. Uh, it was the Clippers in game one. If you were losing Dallas, won. Yeah. I'm just I mean, telling you, like, it's really interesting in the bubble how much the three-pointer has really mattered. I don't think like, it's that's not even like a clipper thing. Like, it's just in general, like, the, like the threes are just crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, and, they're backbreakers. They're real backbreakers. And, back and if you're the Lakers, you're generating a ton of open looks from threes. And if you make your fair share of them like you should, it's going to be very hard to be beaten four times in a series when you got LeBron and AD. I think – I think my biggest, I guess, concern with them is outside of those two, where are they getting buckets? Because um, if you get the ball out of LeBron's hands, you get the ball out of AD's hands. Um, is Kuzma the one who's going to be doing that? Um, I think Kuzma showed flashes of being able to. Uh, I just, I think they need him to be more consistent as a, what, maybe a 15 to 20 point scorer for them to really have a, a great chance every game, if that makes sense. Um, Danny Green has it, it sort makes, of lost his his, uh, his shooting stroke. I don't know what's going on with him. I'm sure he'll find it eventually, but uh, he's really struggled. So it makes sense. Like, if you get 20 from Kuzma, like, you're, you're probably going to win that game, like, as long as AD and LeBron play well. But the thing is, like, if you get 16 from KCP, you don't need 20 from Kuzma. If you, right, get, right, if right. you get 10 from JaVale McGee, you don't need 20 from Kuzma. Like, so it's like those kind of things. Like, if you get enough complimentary scoring, you don't need – like, everyone can be the third guy in terms of, like, together. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the Lakers want. Now, outwardly, they might say, like, we need Kuzma to be the third guy, and you understand why they would do that because they're trying to get him some confidence and all that stuff. Like, it's exactly what they should do. But if they're able to get contributions from Caruso, from Kuzma himself, from Markeith Morris, from – KCP from Danny Green from JaVale McGee Dwight Howard like Dwight and JaVale game two combined for 19 points yeah that's uh, like that's huge KCP uh, almost like KCP combined KCP had 16 so that's what 35 yeah so that's 10 that's basically 11 and a half points per player and that negates Kuzma having seven like, so you're getting these contributions from guys as a unit. Like, they're a unit team sur- that surrounds their top two players. So I kind of think, like, while Caruso – or not Caruso, I'm sorry. While Kuzma could score 20 a game and really help them, I think they need the other guys to, to basically hold down the four and be a group together. Because I don't think one guy is going to be enough. I think they need, like, several pieces to play well the same night in order to really get them to their ultimate goal. Yeah, I... I, I and they're not I, alone in me thinking that. I don't want to say, like, this is a Laker thing. Like, a lot of teams are like that in this postseason. No, I, I think, I think like you said, outwardly, they do want Kuzma to be that third guy. But, um, you know, guys like Caruso have to be able to hit the open shots. Um, I know that teams have kind of left him open. Uh, on, on his threes. They don't um, respect him, nor should they. And I don't mean that as a slide against Alex Caruso, who I think is a very fine player, especially on the defensive end of the court. I just don't think he teams should respect him as a shooter. He, make, he makes things happen for them defensively. Um, and even offensively by like like doing Patrick Beverly type stuff, like cutting in for offensive rebound tap outs, you know, stuff like that. Like like those are winning plays. Those help you win games. Mm-hmm. It's it's very tough to keep guys on the court when they can't make shots though, and they're or or not even just can't make shots if they're not respected enough to make those shots. The Lakers have gotten away with keep, keeping them on the court though. I mean, he played seventeen minutes they have. today, um, and so I, I'd be curious to see if they can keep him in a matchup against, say, the Rockets or, okay. or the Clippers. I'm glad you brought that up. That Rockets matchup, which I obviously do think is happening at this point. I think that's very interesting for the Lakers. Not because I don't think the Lakers can beat the Rockets. I think the Lakers can and should beat the Rockets. 
but they're going to find out a lot about the makeup of their team because Houston's going to do some wonky stuff to them with their switching style. And obviously Mm -hmm. we saw that in one of the matchups for them uh, between the Lakers and the, and the Rockets. But we're going to find out a lot about how much guys like Caruso can play in KCP and Danny Green when you're running off these screens and people ain't following you on them and you're just getting switched. Yeah. So those are going to be at the those are going to have to be the nights LeBron and Anthony Davis put in some work. I I, and I really yeah I really don't know what to um, what to expect of that series because honestly I, have no I, don't, idea. I I the watch the watching the first what four days of playoff basketball, I think I can safely say that I no longer know who's going to win the championship. You know what's funny? I don't think you're wrong. I'm completely at the same point. I just don't know. I, thought I think Clippers, Milwaukee's I thought my favorite still. Uh-huh. I, well, I think Milwaukee's still my favorite, but, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what these teams are going to be like in the bubble. Like, like they got, if you really think about it, they had 11 games to get on, like their feet under them. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're in a hotel away from their families. They only go back to the hotel room or go on walks or fishing, which everybody apparently loves to fish now. It's a great thing. Maybe the <laughs> master's there. I don't know. But like you're asking these guys to be away from their families and they're being a neutral site. And it's like they see the same people all the time. And they don't have any like alone time for the most part. It's like, it's draining. And I understand that sounds like a very first world problem because of like, these guys are paid a lot of money and all this stuff. I'm speaking as a person who has spent 10 weeks in a hotel room, not in my house. I've gone 10 weeks in a hotel room before, obviously not in quarantine. And I didn't go out and play basketball and come back. Like I was able to go out and do things. I get that. I don't think people understand how mentally exhausting that entire experience is. I, I would urge people, if you ever have the means, go 10 weeks in a hotel room and go out and do things, but go 10 weeks in a hotel Dude, room. 10 and, weeks is a long time. <laughs> yeah, and tell me how, at the end of 10 weeks, how mentally stable you are. Because <laughs> let me tell you, it ain't going to be that stable. No, I, 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 I 100% agree with that. Um, I guess on a lesser level, like for example, summer league. I went out to summer league for, for a week, um, and that's basically to an arena for games, back to your hotel. If you go out for, I guess for a couple of things in Vegas, that's cool too. But um, it's uh, it, I did that, five that, that, I did that, five days of summer league and wanted to go home. Yeah, that routine after that, I think seven days into that routine, the week I was just like, I'm actually done with this. I cannot wait to leave. It was weird, but. Um, that's how it is. It's going to be interesting to see what players and teams push through to get to that family member stage after round one. Is that when it comes to round two? I believe that that's when happens? it comes for round two. So we're going to find out. Yeah. I, I, that's going to be fun to see stats pre and post family visits. Seriously. Are we going to have family members talking trash to one another in the arena? Listen, man, at this point, With I'm masks. down for whatever. I, I, I need, I need something. <laughs> I wish the I wish the Phoenix Suns would have shown up for that for that Blazers Nets game, the last game in, in the seeding games. I wish the the Suns players would have shown up and been rowdy as hell. And I'm kind of annoyed they didn't. They were way too respectful. So I thought about that. I, I think I think legally though, I think the NBA only allowed one player representative at each game. I think oh, they're only sucks. allowing one. Uh, I think I think Doc was asked the other day about, uh, or like this is like a week and a half or two weeks ago, about going to a game, going to watch a game, and he said that one of our player reps is going. We're only allowed one person, and so they're the one that's going. I think it's one to three. I don't think it's much more than that though. Do you remember opening night? CP was there, Shea was there, uh, CJ, Dame, and Mello were there, uh, but it wasn't much more than that. So I think they are limiting who's available to go in there. That being yeah, said, I mean, though, it would have been fun. It would have been fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, look. By the way, it's kind of interesting that Steve Ballmer's in the bubble. Is he in the bubble? I think he's, he's outside, isn't it? No, he was. I thought he was in. Hmm. I know where he's sitting. It's sort of considered outside. Where? Oh, right, well, not, I don't know. Because I know, like Andrew Graff, for example, he went out there, but he was sitting on like the upper, not upper deck, but like the second level, sort of like across from Ballmer. Um. 
and those people were not in direct contact with players or um, they weren't directly in the bubble. I don't know. I just need Steve Ballmer to hook me up with uh, some paying off of credit card debt. That's all I need. Is that all you need? That's all I, I don't need much in life. <laughs> just, you know, just pay off my credit card debt and give me, give me, give me like, give me some spending cash. Give me like, give me like a hundred grand in spending cash. I'm not greedy. I'm not greedy. I'm just asking for six figures in spending. spending yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like on top of paying my credit card bill. Yeah, it's not. It's not a bad <laughs> thing, you know. And just wanted to remind you guys about Bet Online. As you know, sports are coming back. So are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, as is the NBA. And there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. You can check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it's like to play without fans in a series that they're calling the Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Look, uh, through, through the, th- for the Lakers and the Clippers, I look at it like this. You're 1-1 through two games. Theoretically, it could be worse. Hypothetically, it could be better. At the end of the day, it's 1-1, and you just have to believe you're the better team and outwork the other team. I think the Lakers are for sure going on the path to doing that, especially if with this Damian Lillard hand injury, although I didn't really give the Blazers much of a chance before that anyways, right or wrong. That's just how it was for the Clippers. You better start getting down to business. Cause if you don't, this could end up being a very disastrous trip to Orlando. And if they walk out of here, I'm being, I'm being serious to If they walk out of Orlando and they did not win in the first round, and they get sent home early, and they lose to Dallas in that first round, buddy, it ain't going to be good. There's going to be some stuff happening. <laughs> well, I think the good thing is that I'm optimistic that they'll get out of the first round. I don't think there's any concerns there. I think, I mean, uh, seeing the Clippers the last couple of years, uh, there is concern, and there's always something that happens. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm not too worried myself. Um, I, think, I think ultimately, talent-wise, um, they are the better team, uh, as are the Lakers in the, over the Blazers. I think that, that one, um, it, it's just talent should, should be able to win out. I think we saw that it, it, it's not able to win out all the time. Uh, we saw game one for the Blazers and game two for the Clippers. Uh, it showed that you – Talent isn't always enough, but I think that at the end of the day, uh, it'll it, it'll end up being enough for both teams. I'm curious to see who the referee assignment is for Game Three. Man, we 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 might just get Scott Foster. Uh, who, who else do we have out there that, that everyone gets riled up about? Oh my God, um, we're getting Mark Davis. I think. You see the guy from the Blazers game today? No, that was Tony Brothers. I'm pretty sure that was Tony Brothers. Mark yep. Davis. Tony Brothers, Bill Kennedy, Dedrick Taylor. Okay. What about oh – um, We're getting Mark <laughs> Davis. <laughs> what about Mark Davis and the Raiders? Can we get that guy? I just <laughs> – Hey, he can pay off my credit card too. <laughs> not greedy. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. All right, so predictions for game three on Lakers' sides. They win. Oh, Lakers are winning game three. They're going to win game three by 20. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think game three, four, and five, they'll, uh, they'll handle business, especially with Dame's dislocated finger. I know it's on his left hand. I know it's not his shooting hand, but still, it's going to bug him. I think it's going to bug him. All right, real quick, because uh, then we're going to go. Who is the one official you don't want to see the most for game three? Mark Davis, Ed Malloy, or Zach Zarba? I actually think Zach Zarba and Ed Malloy are good refs. I don't think there's a lot of uh, like 
I think Anything Ed's the best the of the three. I think Zarpa's pretty good too. I really do, honestly. It's not think, good when I know the ref's name. I think Mark Davis and I think Scott Foster too. Uh, how shall I put this? Concerning um, names, judging by you know the amount of calls that they make and their history and all that. But yeah, Zarba and Malloy are, are are good with me. I don't know. We're good. We'll have a beer once this pandemic's over. So, look, I'm just being honest. Like, if I know the referee's name. I don't, I don't, I know it's going to be long about Like, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know who Trey Maddox is. I don't know who that is. He's a ref. Apparently. I don't know who Trey Maddox is. I don't know who Scott wall is. Those are good things for me. Yeah. Those are good refs. Those are good, uh, good things. You don't want to know their names, but Scott Foster, if I ever see you on the mean streets of my fair city, it's going down. Oh, Ken Maurer. Is he in the bubble? Oh yeah! Oh God! Oh Kenny God! In the bubble, isn't he? I think he's in the bubble. I think he is too. <laughs> oh God! Uh, why am I looking at refs? I need to not. Seriously, now I'm looking at him too. Oh God! <laughs> Jesus. We need we need to go uh, Joey Crossan and Dick Devetta back in. Is Dick? This sounds crass, and I don't mean it to sound that way. Is Dick Bavetta still alive? Uh yes, he's 80 years old. <laughs> wow, he's, he's six feet tall. Wow. Yeah, he's been out for a good what ten years now? He's been Dick Bavetta's been eighty years old for like thirty years. That is probably true. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> huh. He's in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Look at this guy. I mean, how many years did he work? Thirty? Uh, from 1975 to 2004. That's 40 Almost years. Almost 40 years. That's insane. Yeah, I don't know why we're talking about refs, but anyways. Um, why, am I, why am I on Dick Bavetta's Wikipedia page at 2.15 in the morning? So am I. <laughs> I, need to, I. I need to get out of here, man. Oh, man. Thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate you taking, this, taking the time. No problem. Uh, always, always fun chatting it up with you. Um, for the fans, let, let them know where they can find your stuff. You can find me on Twitter at flybynight. That's F-L-Y-B-Y-K-N-I-T-E. You can find me on Patreon, patreon.com slash flybynight. You can find me on the Clip and Roll podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Um, if you ever want to stop by my Twitter page and tell me to stop tweeting too much, you can always do that. I'm very nice sometimes. Just whenever I'm not operating on like five hours of sleep and up for 20 hours, but hey, no one's perfect, you know? Um, uh, Tomer, I just want to say something. Oh, God. Oh, re- relax, okay? <laughs> I'm happy basketball's back. I'm not happy with the hot takes of basketball being back. Oh, I mean, but you, you knew those were going to happen. I knew they were going to happen, but I will say this. I'll gladly live with the hot takes if sports keep coming back because people keep socially distancing and wearing their masks that's what i'll be happy about and that's why i'll accept basketball hot takes at this time oh so you are accepting basketball hot takes you're saying i will accept them as long as people socially distance and wear their masks and wash their hands okay okay i think that should be the ultimate like thing i think i think that should be the ultimatum I don't, I'm slurring words because I'm tired, but ultimatum. There we go. <laughs> this has actually been the most concise you've been on pod. Thank you. Most focused you've been on pod. So. Yeah. I, <laughs> my eyes are like half open. So we're good to go, baby. Oh, man. Thanks again for, having, for, for coming on. I appreciate you. Um, Thank you. As always, guys, follow, subscribe to the podcast wherever you guys get your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Google, um, the Apple Store, Spotify, all I, I don't even know what they're called. At this iTunes, iTunes app podcast store, I guess. Um, Wait, are iTunes and Apple Podcasts the same thing? I have two different apps on my phone for it. Okay, see, I have the same thing. I was very confused. I never uh, know if to call it iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Dude, I have, I have, I have App Store, I have iTunes Store, and then I have the podcast app. Okay, you can find this podcast somewhere. Somewhere on your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in your, in your Apple account. You look for it. Um, yeah, we're also on Spotify, iHeart, all that. All that. Um, do you guys have any questions, comments, 
suggestions, concerns, leave them for me on Twitter or in the reviews. I love to hear them. I love to engage with you guys uh, on Twitter. My my handle is at Tomerazarly. That's T O M E R A C A R L Y. That's for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, trying to get in the TikTok game, but I'm kind of iffy right now. I'm trying to see if Microsoft buys them out first. Um, and then, what else? What else? What else? Uh, follow Touchpoint, follow Blue Wire. Uh, a lot of great podcasts come out there. So, uh, including Justin's, uh, Justin Farbaugh's podcast, The Clip and Roll Pod. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it, I, I think. Um, we'll catch you guys next week. Might do it. A little recap after games four and see where the Clippers and Lakers stand. Um, but yeah, that's it. We hope you guys enjoyed. Justin, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.